electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends. Just trying to make a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. So call me 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When I first heard the idea that at some points in the business cycle, Bad news is actually good news, as in bad news for the economy is good news for the stock market. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, come on. How could something that's good for so many people hurt stocks or vice versa? Yet it's true. Good news can send us down. Like today, where the Dow lost 195 points, SB shed 0.09%, NASDAQ actually inched up 0.13%. How is this possible? Because the Federal Reserve needs to manage the economy. When they see it overheating, the good news, causing inflation, they butcher us with rate hikes. When they see things have gotten worse, the butchery shops they turn into, they become delicious bakeries. Stocks can rise again. When the bad news comes, it's time to buy. But what exactly does the Fed consider good or bad? That's the big mystery. How do they decide when and where to bring the pain? The house of pain. Honestly, it's more complex than most of the professionals will ever admit on air, which is why we need to explain it to you so you can make the best decisions about your own money and your own portfolio. Let's start with what's good for the real world and bad for the Fed. First, our central bank doesn't want to see prices of goods rise more than a couple of percent. Why? Well, it's pretty simple. Regular people can't make ends meet if these prices are going up faster than their wages, right? There are a whole bunch of numbers the government puts out that measure personal consumption expenditures, consumer price inflation, wages, overall employment, like the Labor Department's all-important non-farm payroll report tomorrow. When they see inflation raging, meaning higher costs everywhere, then the Fed has to act. They can't do nothing. But the way they act, they raise interest rates. Now, that's bad for most businesses and their stocks, although some sectors can do just fine while others do get wrecked. Now, about 58 percent of Americans do have some exposure to the stock market. Sadly, many of them, though, have big speculative positions that have been hammered this year. Witness that Tesla makes up 10 percent of the average retail investor's portfolio. That's probably a mistake. Well, I mean, it was great when it was going up. 
Still, while a lot of people have some stock exposure, most of the market's in the hands of the super wealthy, not the wealthy, the super wealthy. So there's no need for the Fed to consider the fate of individual stocks. Sure, money managers care, but that's not a major constituency. Most people who own stocks do so via index funds. As the Fed sees it, the only people who really get hurt when they lower the boom on the market are those who borrow money to buy stock. Or those who are rich enough to have huge positions. These are what I call real unsympathetic plaintiffs. Now, there are times when the president has cared about stocks. Trump was maniacal about the market. They know nothing! Viewing the averages as the ultimate arbiter of his job? Mm. But Biden? He couldn't care less. And maybe he shouldn't care. I think he sees his main constituency as people who, like him, when he was the self-proclaimed poorest man in the Senate, have almost no stock exposure. At least that's what he told me when I met him on a train years ago. I'm not here to make policy judgments. What matters is that nobody in Washington is making policy to cater to the stock market, to your stocks right now. Hey, a lot of times I think that they want your portfolio lower, so you'll spend less. What the Federal Reserve cares about is the data, data that shows the level of inflation. Anything that creates higher prices for a regular person, that's a problem. Although the Fed's very powerful, there are many ways in which it is helpless because they only have one tool at their disposal to fight inflation. It's blunt instrument. All they can do is raise rates to make everyone poor, only pushing prices back down when people don't have enough purchasing power because they don't have enough money. But even that's easier said than done. The Fed can create a climate of fear. They're pretty good at that, aren't they? Where companies tighten their belts, stop hiring, and cut back on their investments. Other companies start stop buying the wares of companies. We're going to talk about one of those tonight. That's where we are now, and it's rough for pretty much everyone except big pharma, consumer staples with pricing power, and the banks. Not because they don't have bad loans, but because they make so much money taking your savings, paying you a pittance, and investing it in high-yielding treasuries. That's right. This climate of fear will diminish the earnings power of companies that make things and do stuff at a profit. The ones that can hold up are far, few and far between, but their scarcity value can send their stocks soaring. Look at five below. I'm 26 points today because there are so few retailers doing much better than expected in this environment. Why not? It's a trade down play. We're going to speak to the CEO of this marvelous company later in the show. It will crystallize to you what I like about the stock market right now. Of course, the Fed can go beyond merely creating a climate of fear. They can raise short-term rates, interest rates as high as they want. I've seen them as high as 19 20% as they want to throw tons of people out of work. That is a way to lower prices. At that point, businesses put their expansion plans on hold and instead start making contraction plans. Now, what's a contraction plan? Well, you know what that is. And that preserves much-needed cash, doesn't cause any growth. We're beginning to see some of this, and I think Jay Powell knows that if he goes too quickly from here He'll create too much collateral damage. Do the other people in the Fed know this? This ugly situation is bad news for the economy or people who lose their job or people who own stocks. But it's good news from the Fed's perspective because it means they're beating inflation. Remember, most of the people in the country don't own stocks. Also, remember, the Fed does not care about your stock portfolio. Then it'll probably like to see it lower. So you need to think about swapping some of that money into bonds as a kind of insurance policy. The market rallied so hard yesterday because there are so many Fed officials who are eager to bring the pain. But we found out they're losing to a Fed chief who thinks he can beat inflation without throwing you and everybody else out of work because he's got a heart and a head. Again, none of these people care about your portfolio. They just don't. It's not important to you. Just not important to you. As investors, what we do want, we want the Fed 
to focus on which prices it can control. Think of what we heard from the CEO of Hormel the other day. He can't control the prices of some of his commodity inputs. Can he really control the price of ham? Neither can the Fed. Does the Fed really want to make people so poor they can't afford spam? I don't think so, although there are some regional, vice pres- regional Fed presidents who I actually think would probably go for that plan if they think it helped them more people buy spam down five years. Imagine that. They'd probably say, you know what, if we, raise them, if we make it so people are thrown out of work now, they'll be able to buy a lot more spam later. There's a policy. I think the Fed should be doing much more to crush speculation. It's been able to cool the number of ridiculous SPACs and IPOs. No one else would do that, not the SEC, not Wall Street. That's vital. Those deals represented real cash creation of comp- for companies that didn't deserve the cash. The Fed should truly try to discourage any crypto investment at this time after the FTX thing. CryptoCon. Hey, listen, I'm going there. I'm sorry. I like truth. I'm not paid to tell the truth. I'm paid to think. And my thinking says, you know what? Well, I mean, obviously people want me to tell the truth. My thinking is, sounds like a con. Now, of course, the people who are in that think that everything else is a con. But you know what? I'm calling them cons. It would rain in speculation and save money if the Fed were to come out and say, you know what, crypto? Eh, what is that about? Fed could also have been a lot more vocal about how the government was planning to create too many jobs with the big spending packages we've seen over the year. They didn't say anything. I get why they don't want them to involve themselves in partisan politics. I don't want them solving the railroad issue either, and that's where we've got a strike inverted just now. But at the same time, the Fed needs to state what's beyond its control, just like Jim Snee, CEO of Hormel, did last night. At this point in the business cycle, Jay Powell has to lay out the score by explaining the areas where he thinks he can bring down inflation and the areas where he really can't. Fertilizer up 40 percent because of Ukraine. If he did that, it would be much easier for you to figure out where to put your money. For better or worse, though, that's not his job which is why we have to spend so much time reading the Fed tea leaves. I will say this. Right now, they've made it harder to make investing decisions than almost any point in my career, or at least in the last 15 years. And we talk about this every day at the CMEC Investing Club. You should join. You'll see what it's really like. We make these decisions based on all this stuff. You see what it's like so you can do it, the bottom line. Unless the super hawkish Fed heads who want to raise short rates to 5 to 7% are silenced, we must be ready with a, quor- a quarter of one foot out the door. You know I love stocks long term, so I'm not going to take more than one. I'm not going to put a full foot out the door. Yesterday, puzzle. Uh, yesterday, pal, gloriously muzzled the hardliners. To me, that's a green light to stay in stocks, but it is touch and go until we get some indication as to whether he'll be willing to declare victory after he crushes speculation, hoarding, profiteering, and inefficiency without ruining the rest of the economy. Robert in Texas, Robert. Hello there, Jim, and thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering my your question. take on Kohl's, you know, because they're changing CEOs. Should I sell it or should I hold it? Or wait well, see, I've got to find out that CEO, sale. Kingsbury. I like that guy so much. If Kingsbury stays, you know, he's an interim CEO. Um, he, he's dynamite. I saw what he did at Burlington. Uh, now, Kohl's, going to Kohl's is actually not fun. Um, I don't know. How do you make it fun? I don't know if they could turn Coles into five below, but they got a lot of stuff that's worth more than five bucks. Although I think that the prices of five below indicate more value. Anyway, unless the super hawkish Fed heads who want to raise short rates to five to seven percent are at least muzzled, we got to be worried. Okay. And yesterday, Pal did muzzle them, and that's why we had such a big rally. To me, that's a green light to stay mostly in stocks. Join the club and find out more. We may have money tonight. CrowdStrike tumbled after earnings. So could the cybersecurity company that is so good regain its defense against the bears on Wall Street? 
I'm going to get the latest after the CEO. Then it's time to take a bite of the quick services restaurant stocks. I'm revealing my best of breed. Five below offer shoppers a bargain. But after today's big post earnings jump, are investors able to find a bargain in the stock? I'm breaking down the quarter with the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. While the market's become a lot more hospitable in some places, it's still very tough for the enterprise software space, which I've been warning you about, including the formerly untouchable areas like cybersecurity, which don't miss. Just look at what happened to CrowdStrike this week. Here's a well-run cloud-native cybersecurity outfit, long-term outperformer, although the stock has been cut in half, coming into its earnings report on Tuesday night, mostly due to some modest margin compression. That is not unusual. That's been the, that has been the path for most of these stocks. CrowdStrike reported this time the numbers were mostly excellent, great sales, great earnings. But management also talked about increased macroeconomic headwinds and a much more difficult sales process these days. That was reflected in the revenue guidance, which fell short of expectations. In response, the stock was t- really kind of trashed, went fell 15%, but then it rebounded 5% today. 
So what do we do now? I mean, the stock is down a lot. Is CrowdStrike sufficiently de-risked at these levels? Or do we need to get out of Dodge the moment they start talking about macro headwinds? Let's check in with George Kirsch, the co-founder and CEO of CrowdStrike. We get a better read on the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Kirsch, welcome back to Bad Money. Jim, great to be here again. Okay, so George, we've got investors out there, and they know that the probably the most persistent problem in technology is cybersecurity. They know that CrowdStrike's a great company, but they also know the stocks come down a great deal. And what I'm looking is not necessarily to reassure them uh, that everything's fine, but more give a sense about why it is so indispensable so that it doesn't make sense to throw away CrowdStrike because you made a comment about what could be below historical trend orders. Well, Jim, as we've talked about many times on this show, security is one of the most important things in any boardroom. And that's not going to change whether you have uh, headwinds uh, from a macroeconomic downturn uh, or, you know, whether the environment changes. Security is uh, a must have. And again, from our perspective, what we're seeing is customers embracing CrowdStrike, wanting to buy more of it at the enterprise level and SMB level, and really wanting to harmonize on a security platform, a record which is CrowdStrike. And I think uh, we've had great success in those areas, and security is a durable industry. It's not going to go away despite some of the headwinds uh, that we've seen. Okay, so then let's look at this steeple downgrade. Messy downgrading the hold. CrowdStrike posted a disappointing quarter with a top line beat well below historical trends, 1% versus 4.4% average, in addition to the company's first annual recurring revenue miss. The poor performance was driven by macro headwinds that contributed to elongated, smaller customer sales cycles. Uh, What do I say about that? I mean, here's a person who's followed your company, liked your company very much. I don't know the person, but that's obviously a pretty negative call. Well, again, you have to look at uh, the quarter and what we actually were able to deliver. Top and bottom line beats and record-free cash flow, right? So uh, obviously there's high expectations with CrowdStrike, but... If you look at the results just on the face, um, you know, most companies would, would kill for our results. Obviously, the areas that we talked about, net new ARR, fell short of our expectations. And we talked about some of the headwinds, specifically around the SMB market and some of the phased-in subscription dates that we had uh, from an ARR perspective. But overall, uh, enterprises want to buy more. Our net retention rates are at uh, you know, almost all-time highs over the last seven quarters. Our gross retention rates are well above 98%. Um, so we've got what customers want, and obviously they're looking at their own budgets and deciding how and when they're going to spend that money. Well, you know, you talk about it, this great moment in the comp school where you frankly can save money by consolidating with CrowdStrike. Why don't the small, medium-sized businesses as you mentioned, SMB, realize that there's a way to be able to make it so you can get the best cybersecurity and actually spend less? Why is that a hard selling proposition? Well, it's a key proposition that we actually lead with. And one of the things uh, that we've seen and we've been very successful is how can we take uh, the people they have and the spend they have, consolidate that, and overall give them a greater return. That includes the people aspect of it. Um, so what we've seen, and, and Jim, I've heard you talk about it on your show many times, you know, when you, when you think about this current environment and Fed raising interest rates, you know, there's a lot of small businesses that are just taking a wait and see. You know, what's gonna happen? Is there another interest rate? What, where, where's the economy gonna go? Nobody has a crystal ball, uh, but I, I think you see those SMB customers being more cautious. And the deals that we talked about were lost. They were basically just put on hold until they decide next quarter if it's the right time to buy. But the thing from a security perspective is 
that can't last forever, right? I, you right. think about ransomware, you think about nation states, you think about e-crime, it's a persistent issue. And again, security is something that they're gonna need and, and uh, buying leaky lifeboats or using leaky lifeboats in lieu of CrowdStrike is not gonna work long-term. Okay, so uh, you talked about this year there may not be a, a budget flush. I think that most people know budget flush who watch us from Dunder Mifflin, from a, a paper company at a, at a fictional TV show. They don't understand what that exactly means. Can you please describe to people why you don't expect to be this big balloon end of spending this year and how that could actually impact what you're going to see? Well, what we wanted to do is to, to take a look at the headwinds that we've seen and, and basically look at Q4 and say, hey, maybe there won't be a budget flush. And typically what that means is a whole bunch of extra budget at the end of the year that can be used. Maybe customers won't go through that. Maybe they'll just wait till a new budget year uh, and, you know, next year. So we want it to be prudent in how we thought about it. If it comes, fantastic. Um, but given how we've seen customers uh, change some of their buying habits, you know, we wanted to be prudent in not thinking it was going to come. If it comes, fantastic. Now, uh, one last question. Uh, I do feel that it, I don't want to lose sight of the fact it was a great quarter. Um, it, is there any chance that if the Fed, the hawks on the Fed, go, say, 5 to 7 percent, that you're going to have to come back here next quarter and say, hey, listen, I was too optimistic. I should have cut my revenue and I made a mistake. Well, Jim, what we tried to do is to focus on Q4 in the first half of next year and really, uh, from a guidance perspective, kind of kind of put forward like these headwinds actually uh, maintaining. We don't know if the environment is going to get better or worse. It hasn't gotten better. So we wanted to be prudent in how we thought about the macroeconomic environment getting worse. And it and it really did accelerate. Uh, towards the end of Q3. And when we think about our net new business, we had line of sight to exactly what we needed. And then some of these smaller deals uh, did materialize and, you know, again, got pushed off based upon some of the buying decisions. So we wanted to be prudent for Q4 in the first half of next year. And uh, again, we're focused on protecting customers and delivering value. And, you know, I, I hope to uh, see you again next quarter and, uh, and go through our results like we always do. Can't ask for more. I want to thank George Kurz, co-founder, president CEO of CrowdStrike, one of the great performers over here, CRWD. Thank you so much, George. Always great to see you. Great to see you. Thanks. Yeah, money's back after the break. Coming up, think fast. Three tasty restaurant stocks, good for quick food and maybe long-term returns. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower? The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We don't spend enough time on this show talking about the fact that the market hasn't been normal for the bulk of the last three years. Ever since COVID hit, we've jumped from a crash to a speculative mania to rampant inflation to this year's horrific bear market coupled with a post-pandemic reopening. Now, though, the pandemic's mostly defeated, at least outside of China, and we're getting many signs that inflation could be cooling. And we may even be able to beat inflation without experiencing a recession. We had a 2.9% GDP growth in the last in the third quarter, for heaven's sake. A soft landing, I'm calling it very much on the table. In short, maybe the economy's normalizing here, or at least the Fed chief thinks it could be soon to normalize. And in a normal environment, stock picking is much more about identifying the best players in a given industry, rather than just jumping from sector to sector to keep up with all those crazy rotations, which you know I don't like you to do. There's just one problem. we got to make these best-of-breed lists from scratch. So much has changed in the last few years. So tonight we're taking a stab at this for the restaurant stocks, one of the most straightforward groups because they're totally consumer-facing. You know these stocks. They're not like the opaque cloud-based software plays, the trading data or analytics or customer relations management. They're, that's all pretty abstract unless you deal with it for work. By contrast, you don't need a computer science degree to understand what McDonald's does. And I think most computer scientists don't know what McDonald's does, so it's perfect. Now, we used to have a bunch of different favorites in the restaurant space. Domino's Pizza was a fabulous winner for the better part of a decade, but it's struggling in the post-COVID world, which is why it's now a show-me story. We liked Wendy's, too, but that became a meme stock last year. It hasn't traded right ever since. Plus, one of the great Baconator consumers of all time has stopped because John Oliver made fun of her vice. We'll leave her name out of it. So tonight, I want to give you three of my new favorites, three restaurant stories that work right here, right now, each representing a different kind of investment. I'm talking about Chipotle's, McDonald's, and Restaurant Brands International. First time on that one. Let's start with longtime Kramer fave Chipotle. I love this one. Before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic. Frankly, now, it would have been smarter to tell you to sell it a year ago when Wall Street turned against it, okay? That was when they turned against all high multiple growth stocks. As you know, they did that in November of last year. So you can see exactly where it peaked, all right? And then went down this. Of course, a genius says sell it right there. I was not a genius. The stock only fell 40% from its peak last fall to its closest June. But I never went there. I never made that sale call, in part because Chipotle's got so much going for it. Great concept, great food, great management. Just as important, the numbers never really deteriorated, which is one reason why the stock's been able to come roaring back over the last few months. Sure, their same store sales slowed down from last year's almost comically high levels, but they've still got high single-digit HSD same store sales. And despite that fact, they're up against some really tough comparisons. Those are excellent numbers as the world goes back to normal. The last two quarters in particular are just fantastic. Even though the stock sold off temporarily after the most recent results late in late October, that sell-off turned out to be a terrific buying opportunity, though. In the end, Chipotle is arguably the best mobile ordering technology company in the restaurant industry, best brand loyalty program. They can get away with raising prices to offset the damage from cost inflation because they're liked so much. But what really gets me excited about Chipotle is simple. As their costs come down, and that's happening now that the Fed's winning its war on inflation, their earnings can soar higher. That's why I'm willing to recommend Chipotle, even though the stock's pretty expensive on an earnings basis, trading at 38 times next year's estimates. Still, I reiterate, yes, it would have been better to sell and get back in. 
But one, I'm saying that that's easier than said. And two, it's a high-quality company. We don't need to trade it. We can own it. The thing is, I'm betting these estimates are only going to be too low, especially since these guys have gotten into the habit of delivering substantial earnings beats. And look, even if they only deliver in-line numbers, you're probably expected to see 28% earnings growth next year. Not unreasonable to pay 38 times earnings for a 28% grower. But I bet it ends up looking cheaper in retrospect as the real numbers come in. They'll be good. Next up, McDonald's. Now, this is a company we tend to take for granted. I've only recommended Mickey D's a couple times this year, in January and then late August. But both of those were good calls. This fast food kingpin is a classic defensive name that can do just fine in a slower economy and sports a nice dividend, which is why the stock actually up 2% for the year, uh, while the rest of the market has been crushed. Of course, that's not unusual for McDonald's. They've got an incredible track record of long-term outperformance. You know what? This stock's a machine. While it took some some time to figure out their digital ordering strategy, they've now got a comprehensive setup for online ordering and delivering centered around with a better loyalty. This is behind the scenes at McDonald's. Better loyalty programs, coupled with multiple delivery partners like DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats. McDonald's is one of the rare restaurant chains that has the scale to get the better of these delivery systems. Plus the numbers, they've been stellar. Last year, McDonald's posted 17.17 same-store sales growth. This year, they've continued to put up strong numbers, up 9.5% in the most recent quarter, again, despite very tough comparisons. In fact, they've now beaten the same-store sales estimates for seven straight quarters. Good management here. And they're talking about a double-digit earnings growth for years to come. Critically, McDonald's doesn't have much economic sensitivity. They do fine even in a slowdown. Between the technology improvements and global store growth and the excellent marketing, they thrive in good times. But because McDonald's offers terrific value, the stock works during a recession, too. I think it's worth buying at 26 times extra earnings estimates, 2.2% yield. You're paying for consistency here. Boy, talk about making things and selling things and stuff, that uh, for selling it for a profit, which gets returned to shareholders via nice dividend. Mickey D's is exhibit A in the prosecution against speculators. It, Sam uh, Bank, Bankman-Fried versus McDonald's. I'll take McDonald's. You, you can have Sammy. Finally, how about Sam? I love it. Finally, how about restaurant brands? Uh, that's a Popeyes, uh, Burger King, Tim Hortons, Firehouse Subs. Uh, this one's more of a special situation. Specifically, it's uh, it's about leadership. Recently, Patty Doyle took over as the new executive chairman of Restaurant Branch. You might remember him as the CEO of Domino's, who turned that company into a delivery powerhouse while creating a tremendous amount of value for shareholders. He took that stock from 12 to 271 in a little over eight years. That's money. And at Domino's, he, he had a much worse hand. He had to run a whole ad campaign about how the pizza tasted like cardboard, to which I would have specified shirt cardboard not the liner board that your Amazon comes packed in, because the former tasted better than the regular pizza, no mushrooms or banana peppers. Restaurant brands is much better shape. Burger King and Popeyes, as I call it, but it's really Popeyes, are both terrific brands, and the Canadians seem to love Tim Hortons. As people say, Canadians run on Hortons. They brought him in to get the company going faster without, without doing any sort of, uh, let's say, there was no change in the quality, except for maybe it's going to be better. I very much like the combination of Doyle with 3G Capital, the Brazilian private equity firm that's controlled restaurant brands for over a decade. 3G is notorious for its ruthless cost discipline. So if Doyle can boost the growth without spending like crazy and improve the taste, I think you've got a big winner on your hands. doesn't hurt that he bought $30 million worth of stock here. Definitely a vote of confidence. Oh, and restaurant brands remains fairly cheap, trading at 21 times dexterous earnings, 3.3% yield. 
Just remember that you've got to be patient with this one because it could take a little while for Doyle's plans to kick in. Bottom line, when it comes to the restaurants in a world that's going back to normal, I like Chipotle for growth, McDonald's for defense, and restaurant brands for a nice, special situation. I feel like calls, and that's why we're going to Tyler from California. Tyler. Hey, Big Booyah from California. Jim, how you doing? Booyah, right back at you. What could I do? Hey, man, I'd like to know if I should be having an appetite for yum. You know what? Darn it. I loved yum 110, 120, 115, and then it just got away. It's, a, it's all the way up at 129. At this point, because the thing's been straight up, you're going to have to say, I got to wait to 124, 125. I know that's a bummer, but I don't want you buying at the top. Let's go to Richard in Wisconsin. Richard! Hey, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good, man. How about you? One day at a time. One day at a time. Uh, good. I like that attitude. What's up? Exactly. Question. I see that the uh, bond market, short bonds are going up. Long bonds are going down, and that should be the opposite. Everybody's concerned about a potential recession. So right. the question is, do, uh, do you invest in uh, straight stocks and hope the recession maintains, or do you invest in a stock that pays good, reasonable dividends, which okay. could go down anyway? Uh- I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think that you can certainly own a, a, a stock that, of a company that's very well run fast and one that offers a good dividend. Do you have anything in mind? Huh. Well, you know what? That was that 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 rationale, that logic is perfection. When it comes to restaurants in a world that's going back to normal, I like Chipotle for growth, McDonald's for defense, and restaurant brands for a very special situation. Much more mad money hit, including my exclusive with talk about a stock that's on fire. Five below, jumping higher after earnings. Has this discount retailer changed its stripes for the better? Or has it always been good? I'm going to get the latest from the company's top brands. Then, what's giving Powell the confidence to scale back his rate hikes? I'm going to reveal what I'm seeing. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Look at the stock of Five Below Go. Last night, the discount chain where most goods cost five bucks or less at most stores reported a fantastic quarter, sending stocks surging more than 16% today. Divert, deserved and not done. They did that even as their competitors at Dollar General totally dropped the ball. Five Below gave you much better than expected sales and a massive 14 cent earnings beat. Over a 15-cent basis. I couldn't believe when I saw it. Manager also issued just a terrific forecast for the current quarter. So how the heck did they do this when others are faltering? Let's take a closer look with Joel Anderson, the president and CEO of Five Below, a Philadelphia-based company, to get more insight into these incredible set of numbers. Mr. Anderson, welcome back to Mad Money. Congratulations on a great quarter. It's been uh, great to see you and be back in the studio either. Thank you very much, Oh, Jim. thank you, Joel. Look, one of the things that you do is you offer tremendous bargains for merchandise that most people would think cost a great deal more. And I want you to just walk us through both triple-double and how people realize, you know what, I'd rather buy here. It's better quality, really cool stuff for a fraction of the cost. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Look, product's at the heart of everything we do, Jim, and that's why the triple-double's all about growth. And it's like three things I tell you. You go in our stores, it's all about the dollar. I mean, we've got tons of items there. They're all a dollar, from a slinky to crayons to... 
you know, uh, socks for the holidays, everything's a dollar, a yo-yo, on and on and on. And then $5 branded Kendall and Kylie uh, crossover bag, which, only $5. Which, you know, could be 25 bucks, it could be 30 bucks. Could be, but not at five below, it's $5. No, not at five below. $5. Now, one of the things that you've done, though, I also love, this this new concept, this Beyond Five. I think this thing is going to be big. I like a two-concept story. I think this works all over the country. Well, thank you. I mean, it's called Five Beyond, and we rolled out 250 this year, and we're going to roll out several hundred more next year. I mean, look at this uh, vacuum cleaner. $25. It's incredible value for that. And so while we still have five below, we still believe in five below, five below and five beyond, it's all about value. And that's what we're focused on delivering. Okay. Now there was a dramatic inflection in your business uh, since August. Now it's been consistent the whole time, but there's a level of acceleration here that I need you to explain. Is it the zeitgeist of the country? Is it the fact that people just keep hearing more and more the great expansion? The fact that you have tremendous distribution better than almost everybody. Well, look, I mean, it's a combination of we're coming off the stimulus dollars from last right. week. So we had to get through that. We announced at our investor day that we're going to begin to roll out five beyonds. And we rolled out over 200 of those since our last investor day. The customers responding, we're starting to see positive footsteps in our store. And that's really starting to drive it. And quite honestly, Jim, we expect that to continue for you know years to come. So how can you find good people that quickly? Well. Look, finding good people is a, uh, a challenge these days. It's probably h- harder than it's ever been in my career. Okay. But I will tell you what, we really focus on not only wowing our customers, but wowing our associates. We have fun in our stores. We hire a lot of 16 and 17-year-olds, and it's all about having fun in the store. People should know that, right? I mean, yeah, there are a lot of 16, 17-year-olds, uh, a lot of parents have watched. Tell them, their kids can go have a great job at Five Below. Look, everyone remembers their first job. Sure, sure, sure and do. why not have your first job be at Five Below? I mean, we're a kid store. It'd be disingenuous yeah. for us, Jim, yeah. if we didn't hire kids. And that's what makes our store fun. And we encourage them. Post on social media, tell your story, and have a great time. You did a lot of, uh, of targeted social media that clearly worked for you. Is that just, what, what do you do, an alphabet, a, a Google? <laughs> Where, where's the best place to, to put well, a dollar? Actually, we're, we're spending a, a, a lot in social media. Um, we're also spending a lot on, on Google and, and search. That's really important. And then, you know, we're on TV as well. And so it's really now about building the brand of Five Below, and that's our focus here for the next five years. I hear you, you crushed it on Black Friday. What's that? You crushed it on oh, Black Friday. Oh, Black Friday was great. I mean, look at this item here. Freeman Scrub and Glow. This whole thing, $5, Jim. That's now, incredible see, I, okay, so let, All right, so where is that made that you can afford to do that? There is, this is a product that at one point, I would have said it had to be forty to fifty dollars. How can you make it at that uh, to, and still make a profit? Well, listen. I mean, first of all, it's a combination of our scale. Right. We have a great merchandise team, and and we only do a fair markup, and we really focus on bringing in value. I mean, I've talked before with you about the deflated basketball. Right. We take all the cost out of it, so we give them what the customer really wants. Well, I've got to tell you, uh, when I see the number of stores open, it reminds me, you were one of the few concepts. When I first got in the business, all I looked for was, is there a concept that works in this in Philadelphia and therefore would work around the country? Is there any place this thing's not working? <laughs> it works in every part of the country, does it? Well, Jim, we just opened three here, right here in Manhattan. I know, everybody's talking about them. And it's great. So, look, everybody loves value, and everybody loves a treasure hunt. So whether it's suburban, rural, or urban, it's all about value. It's all about a treasure hunt, and it really works everywhere. Now, one last thing. Do you, uh, 
you, it's, how do you get your, is there stuff from China? Is there stuff from all over the world? And did you ever have, you never seem to have those, distrib- those problems everybody else had getting a supply. Well, I mean, look, T-shirts, Honduras. Um, our uh, leggings, pants, uh, Christmas pants, those are from China. Some of this is domestic. Um, Squishmallows? Squishmallows, those, those are imported. But listen, we really focused on bringing the product in early right. this year. Um, so that we would have the shelf stock for holiday. Nobody's doing what you're doing. <laughs> it's, it's just an unbelievable job. Well, thanks, Jim. I mean, we're having so much fun. It's it really tell. is you a, are a great store, and you know, it, we also I can't tell you how many letters I get from customers that say, "Thanks for saving the holidays. Uh-huh. Thanks for really um, helping my dollar go further." And the customer needs that now more than ever. Oh, I believe it. It was the thing I did for seven years with my daughters. Go to Five <laughs> Below and just have fun. Let them loose. It never cost me that much. I want to thank Joel Anderson, Five Below, President and CEO. Guys, this one is a long-term great growth story. That money's back in for Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. Before the lightning round begins, I want to remind everyone that now is the perfect time to join the CNBC Investing Club. We are serving up an incredible offer. All the info is here. Just scan this code with your phone or go to CNBC.com slash Kramer Cyber Monday and go now. It's where I do so much important work. It's about teaching people. I'm trying to teach you how to handle your money. The club gives us the time so I can be your coach and your guide. And it's just very important to me. I think you'll love it. And now is the time to scan our CNBC.com slash Kramer Cyber Monday. And now let's do the lightning round on Kramer's Money. That's a rapid fire calls. I'm saying the name of Tiger Taylor. Bye 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 bye. Don't And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round, Kramer's Money. I want to start with John. I'm a host of New Jersey. John. Yes, Jim. John Gallup from uh, Montville, New Jersey. Fantastic. So What's happening? Uh, I've had STX for a while. I took some off the uh, table when it was around 91. Took it off again when it went over 91. Now it's down uh, to around 50. That's uh, $10 less than my cost. Yeah. I want to know if it's a good okay. idea to buy some more. No, I don't want you to buy any more because it's just not a high quality enough stock during this period in the cycle. So I think you can either uh, collect that 5% yield or recognize that stock is probably not going to go higher right now. It's not for this market. I want to go to Bob in Wisconsin. Bob. Bob's here. Say Bob, what's happening? Hey, my stock is AMD. All right, we're holding AMD. Now, tonight, Marvell reported a good, not great number. Stock dropped 10%. Could impact advanced micro, but advanced micro has already come down a great deal. And I think I have very good feeling about the coming business cycles, not cycle, for what Lisa Sue is doing. Let's go to Eric in Michigan. Eric. What's going on, Jim Kramer? I miss the days when you used to throw the chair, man. Ah, I can still throw things without a problem. 
I need no to help, man. Target, what is going on with Target? All right, Target, Target and- listen, we're going to think short term, then we're going to sell it. If we think longer term, we're going to make money. I'm in the money-making business, not in the selling business. I believe in Brian Cornell. It's not going to be this Christmas. He'll be next. The man is a winner. We're back in the management. We're going to John in Virginia. John. What's up, my man, Jim? Not much, John. How about you? What's shaking? So I've been watching the stocks all the sauna, and last six months it's been just bouncing from 15.30, 15.30. What, what do you think about it? That earnings today as well. Which one? Asana. No, no, I wasn't crazy about that quarter. Uh, if it's all going to come down, we'll probably catch some da- downgrades. That's not the part. That's not the part of the eco- of the economy. The enterprise software market is not where I want to be. And that, ladies and gentlemen, inclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, nobody likes layoffs. But understanding the dreaded corporate culling might give your investment approach an edge. Stick with Kramer. What makes Fed Chief Jay Powell confident enough to talk about scaling back the speed of his rate hikes? I think he recognizes that we're hearing the footsteps of major layoffs. Right now, we're in the weird phase where companies announce layoffs and their stocks go up because they're letting people go to boost profitability. But soon those layoffs will send their stocks lower because they'll be firing people out of desperation. We keep hearing three things from companies that are now faltering. They're talking about elongated sales cycles, macro headwinds, and the need to get C-suite sign off before new business. All this is genuine Wall Street gibberish for something real simple. It means we're doing badly because things are bad. The customers are petrified that they'll be hurt if they buy anything from you, so they're deferring those decisions. They might come back, but then again, they might not. They might love your product, but if they don't have any money, so what? Oh, and, and when you hear about these elongated sales cycles, that's like someone saying, hey, see you next Thursday, and you respond, how about never? But there are different levels of struggling. The other day, DoorDash cut 1,250 jobs because they hired too many people during the boom and they aren't making enough money despite resilient sales. DoorDash wants to dominate the delivery business, but unlike the old days when they could tap the capital markets for pretty much anything, resources are no longer unlimited. The stock went up on the news because the company is healthier with fewer people. Meta is cutting jobs in real estate, which is good, because while the company has amazing revenues, they aren't growing nearly as fast as the expenses needed to create new products. Good thing Meta has a lot of money. The stock's been on the warpath higher even ever since its cutbacks. Oh, boy, if the government cuts off rival TikTok because of Chinese espionage concerns, Meta's reels could help staunch the losses from the metaverse, and you will really regret that you sold that one. Sometimes, though, layoffs are greeted with disgust because they're wake-up call that something's wrong. CNN, a division of Warner Brothers Discovery, has laid off a bunch of people, and even though it's been able to pay down some debt, that's good, I'm worried about its ability to grow. Is it cutting fat, or is it cutting muscle? I don't know. Bad sign. Kraken, not the rum, the third largest crypto exchange, laid off 30% of its workforce the other day. Now, to me, that's a classic sign of a, of a company that simply can't cut its way to profitability because it's in a failing industry. It's like the old joke. If it gets closer to profitability by firing a third of its workers, maybe it can make a fortune by firing everybody. 
So what are we looking for at this point in the business cycle? We want companies that can do more with fewer people. That's the ServiceNow model. CEO Bill McDermott tells his people, hey, make more calls. Try harder. Get it done. Instead of making 30 calls today, make 60. Workday feels the same to me. That's why both stocks soared in response to great quarters. Hey, how about Okta, the cybersecurity firm, doing more with less? Real nice surprise there. I also like companies that buy other businesses and rationalize the table of employment. That's Palo Alto. That's why they're fantastic. I even like what Snowflake said last night on our show. It was a blowout quarter accompanied by not so like guidance. But then CEO Frank Slootman came on the show and he goes, the guidance is the guidance. When I question him, Slootman's like Coach Belichick, right? His answers actually inspire confidence. Hey, guidance is the guidance, pal. Stock initially down 18 last night, rallied 11 today. The guidance is the guidance. But I'm more turned about Salesforce.com, which also reported last night. CEO Mark Benioff posted a good quarter, then said we have uncertain times ahead. Plus, his beloved co-CEO, Brett Taylor, is leaving the company. Look, here's a man who, as chairman of Twitter, bested, bested Elon Musk, got him to pay full price, even as multiple naysayers warned him that he'd get rolled by the King Midas. And, and, and by the way, King Midas. He had to swallow it. Uncertain times for Salesforce and the loss of co-CEOs just two years after the previous co-CEO. Well, you got to let the stock come down, even as these co-CEOs left for very different reasons. We will buy more for the charitable trust after selling some higher. Why? Because we still believe in Benioff. So remember, not all layoffs are created equal. When a company's really trying to boost its profitability, the market loves it. But if we start hearing about an uncertain economy or elongated sales cycles, I say look out below. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.